You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Thanks, Alex. Uh, boy, so good to be here. So I'm Bill White. I am one of the pastors here at City Church, and I want to extend a warm welcome. Uh, some of you guys were here last week. Some this is your first time here. Uh, we have a lot of friends here on Zoom. Uh, welcome, friends on Zoom. Glad you're here. And yeah, this is, it's just good to be with each other. It's just good to be here. So, City Church, we're a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. That's who we are. Uh, one of the, a very small piece of that, but something we get to celebrate today is uh, in the renewal of all things is this acknowledgement of our history, even as a nation, uh, celebrating Juneteenth for the first time officially yesterday. And I, you know, I think we just get to celebrate. Like, wow. Yeah, this is, uh, this is part of our heritage. And there's, there's a freedom, uh, there's a sadness, and, uh, and there's an opportunity for us all to grow here. And it's also Father's Day, which uh, we recognize in all of its complexity. It's a family day with lots of layers. And so there, now you know that. I mean, you probably already knew that, but wow, it's, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, and a couple of things here. Um, so there is a, for those of us who are present physically, there's a bathroom here through this door, uh, kind of just keep going straight on your left that you may freely use. Uh, if you're on Zoom, you have a bathroom wherever you are. I just let you know that in case you didn't. Um, and in terms of masking here at City Church, we're a mask friendly zone. So you can always wear your mask here, always. And if you're two years older and unvaccinated, we request that you wear a mask. And I think well, the one other thing I wanted to say, you know, I noticed that like it's a little weird for those physically present to sing. It's actually kind of weird on Zoom to sing. Uh, we're going to encourage you to sing. Like, why not? You can do that. So the way we're doing it just to avoid paper and clutter is it's on your handout which is on your phone there's a qr code there right when you come in you can sneak out and go get it if you need to uh go to the city church homepage and download it um we're also going to have a responsive reading at the end of the message which is on there and it's going to be very difficult for you to like understand what in the world's going on unless you have that so encourage you to to get that yeah i think it is me hey guys for those of you who I haven't met you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm the other pastor here at City Church of Long Beach. Uh, and it's fun this morning because we are kicking off a new series. And we decided as we launched into summer that there was no reason we shouldn't take our cues from our kids. Because so often for our kids, what we do is we tell them the best stories from the Bible over and over and over again. And the awesome things about, thing about kids is no matter how often you tell them the same story, if it's really good, they'll say again, again, again. So we're not going to tell like one story five times this summer, but we are going to take the stories that our kids right now are learning about in our online kids camp, which is called Come to the Table. And we're going to say, yeah, let's gather around those stories as a church as well, because they're awesome stories. And also because... This idea of come to the table, everyone's welcome. Come sit with me, come take your seat 
as the theme song for the kids camp says, because God's love is just this big. And that's, that's what we're all about here at City Church. So to kick us off this morning, I have a couple kids who have agreed to let me interview them uh, and help us get started this morning. So Holden and Atticus, would you guys be willing to come up here? Let me ask you a couple questions about food. And if you're feeling shy, it's totally fine. But you are welcome to come up. Yeah, give me a little encouragement. I see Atticus coming. Here, Atticus. If you don't mind coming up front, the camera will be able to see you better. We got, we got encouragement. I love it. Okay. So Atticus, could you tell me a little, what is your favorite food? Um, depends. Vegetable or fruit. Okay. This kid just said vegetable <laughs> or fruit. Yeah. That is a round of applause. That is awesome. And Holden, if you decide you want to answer any of these questions, you just come on over, but no pressure. You want to tell us your favorite food? Okay. Come on over real quick. Is it also vegetables? No, <laughs> it's not vegetables. Yeah. Artichokes and grapes. Artichokes and grapes. We've got some healthy kids here. Okay, Atticus, can you tell me about a favorite meal you've had with people recently? It could be any people, but a favorite meal you've had with people. Okay, you had Shabu recently with other people. Yeah, tell me about who was there. Okay, so your aunt, your aunt's baby, and your parents, and they were all there. How did you feel while you were eating that meal? This is your last question. You're doing so great. How'd you feel? So good. Tell me, you want another word? Good and amazing. Okay, could you give these two breaks to the That is awesome. And so today we're talking about meals that help us feel good and amazing. So great. You know, we uh, had a group of about 20 neighbors over on Tuesday night for dinner. And uh, actually, Cody, who lives down the street from me, he, he stopped in for a minute. And it was good and amazing, right, to see all these neighbors gather around. And, uh, you know, a couple of them, I think it was, a, it was a big step. So three of the families I'd never even met before, they just moved into the neighborhood. But through things I knew they were new in the neighborhood, so I invited them over and some other families have been around. Um, I think Cody was the only one who's ever actually come on a Sunday to City Church. And so a couple of the families, I think, were a little bit like, a little weary. Like, I'm going to the pastor's house, right? I mean, all you got to do is look at me on Facebook and realize, like, I'm one of those religious people. And uh, there were a few moments uh, in the evening where it was like, uh, you could tell they were like, ooh, I'm going to create a little bit of distance. I'm not going to say a few things here. Uh, people sometimes change their language even around the pastor. Is that weird? Which is funny because the pastor tries to change his language around them also, but whatever. Um, but it's just a funny thing. And that's the setting for our story today. Jesus is at a religious person's house. 
And religious people are not always safe people. And so they're, the religious people are kind of pushing a little bit on Jesus. And he tells them this story, this story about this wide, wide welcome, about good food and great times. And this is the story that we get to hear today. So Brian Raphael is going to read scripture for us. If you'd welcome Brian up with us. He is a librarian. Like this guy was made for, for story reading. So here I'll put this. Yeah, pressure's right up close Oh, oh. And here, if you're present or even online, you can stand because we stand around City Church for the reading of God's word. Thank you, Bill. From Luke uh, chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has, has, has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be God. God. You may be seated. In just a minute, we're going to invite our kids, any kids and parents who would like their kids to be able to go back and, and hear a story this morning, back in what we're calling our kid zone, the corner uh, in the back here for those who are here physically. Uh, we're going to do that in just a minute, but first our friend Megan Clendening is going to come up and pray over our kids because we think they're pretty awesome. Thanks, Megan. Everybody, good morning. <laughs> Um, so before I forget, um, we have a little gift for the kids in the back if you want to check that out. So uh, let's pray. <laughs> Dear God, I thank you so much for this day. And I thank you so much for the kids who are here and the kids who are on our Zoom today. I just thank you for everything that you've given to us. And I pray for our kids and that you watch over them. And also for the caretakers and teachers and everybody um, that you give them energy and excitement and love to share to their kids. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for everything you've given us. And thank you so much for giving us this space to worship together. Um, in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. <laughs> thank you, Megan. So I don't know if for anyone else felt like this was a week for parties. Uh, but in my house, it was kind of a week for parties. And I've heard so many people uh, having graduations, birthdays, weddings. You know, the wedding industry is supposed to be just like on a roll right now because all the people who got married during quarantine, but now it's like, now is the time to have a party. So it's kind of a party season. And that is what our story is about this morning. 
it's about a God, a God who hosts great parties. We love this imagery here at City Church because this is a vision for community. It's a vision of a table that is wide, that is deep, that is set with good things, and it's open for all. And so for us at City Church, every week to get up here and say, hey, yeah, we're a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus. We don't think we're doing anything new. We're just saying, this is who God is. This is who Jesus showed us that God is. And we so, see that so clearly in the story that was read for us this morning. We see a God who is generous in the table being set. I love that very simple description. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. You know, when I first read that, I kind of get fixated on the word great. And I'll be honest, it brings up a few feelings of insecurity for me because I don't think I'm necessarily like the hostess with the mostest, right? You know, like I don't do fancy. I don't do pretty. The idea of like plating food and like the, some people are really skilled at that. That is not me. I'm like, I want to keep the bar low for everybody, right? So if you come to my home, the bar is going to be set really low in terms of what hosting looks like. So I could get a little fixated on this idea of the host who set a great banquet. But then my attention turns instead to this word prepare. Because I think really the generosity that God was embodying, that this, this host was embodying, it really wasn't so much about the fanciness of the table, right? It's not necessarily that, oh, this was such expensive food. It was the fact that the host prepared. You know, so often when we take a little trek down to Northern San Diego to visit my in-laws, nine times out of 10, within the first 30 minutes of us getting there, my father-in-law very proudly pulls out of the refrigerator this huge dish of ceviche and it's amazing homemade ceviche and not those little little bowls you know that you get at the restaurant right when you order it it's a tub set right in front of me and my husband because sometime way back when he made it and we said wow yum this is amazing i love it and so nine times out of ten when we're gonna go something clicks in his brain and says, I know what I can prepare for them. I love them. And that love shows itself in intentionality, right? It's that time, not necessarily to, again, get the most fancy things, the most expensive stuff, but to say, who is coming? I know them. What do they need? So hosting the party this last week for a bunch of teenagers, you know, I did not put ceviche out in front of the teenagers. I put out pizza, right? And a huge thing of red vines, way more than five teenagers could ever eat. And you take the time, right, to say, does anybody have any like food sensitivities? Think, oh, somebody's vegan. All right, half of the pizza is gonna be cheeseless. You know, it's the intentionality in it. This is a picture of God. God who knows you who loves you, who is excited that you're coming, wants to set a table that you will feel welcome at. This is who God is. And we also 
see a picture of a generous God because the guest list is not small. This is not sort of like, oh, I want to make sure only the right people come. From the very beginning, what we see is that this host invited many guests. It was going to be a big party. It was like, yeah, come and bring your whole family. There is room for all. I'm ready to throw such a big party. Now, it's interesting because what we see in this story is that there ends up being two groups of people. And it's two groups of people that we see in Jesus' ministry all the time. He's constantly encountering these two types of people. The first group, they were the people who were expecting to get the invitation. Of course, of course I got invited to the party. No big deal. They were the people who expected God to want their company, expected God to notice them because they were socially, morally near in their own minds. And yet so often, that's not actually the guest list that Jesus had in mind. In fact, he was criticized all the time. You see in Mark 2, where the teachers of the law, the people who they expected to get the invitation, yeah, we're the, we're the holy people. We're the religious people. We're the people who throw the parties, by the way. They see Jesus and he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And so they ask his disciples, why is he doing that? Because Jesus' guest list just didn't match. And so this morning, that's what we want to explore a little bit more. Why are there two guest lists? And how does this work out in our own lives? When do we get the invitation and how do we respond? Um, so I want to look just briefly at the, at the first group who, who gets this invitation and they, they say, no, we're not going to come. And it's a little awkward. Right, it's this awkward moment. Right, there's a the three of them. One had a field, uh, one has some oxen, and the other has uh, just gotten married. And they all say no, and and there are legitimate reasons to say no. One of the our favorite words around city church is the word no. Right, so we're we're an unforced church. That's one of our values. So if you don't want to be in a group, just say no. Right. If, if you don't want to be hugged, just put on your your red dot on your on your uh, name tag. Right. This sort of thing. Like in some ways, that's just super healthy. In this particular passage, that nuance is not what Jesus is after. He's actually looking inside our hearts and he's looking at some of some other things that might be going on. And so I want us to to think about that just very briefly. So there, there are three people, and they have three excuses. And I think the way to summarize all three of them is with one simple word. They had something that kept them away. And that something, I believe you could just simply call privilege. So the first one had possessions. He had a field. He just bought a new field. I mean, he bought land. Sometimes those of us who have stuff, we don't need God. We don't need community. We don't need anything because we have stuff. 
There's a certain irony to that, isn't there? I grew up knowing a lot of people who had a lot of fun. And there was a lot of loneliness. The second group is the guy who says, well, hey, I've got, I've got five yoke of oxen, man. I got to get out and get to work. There's privilege in having work. Not everyone in our world has work. And for some of us, we've taken that work and we, man, we just mine it for all of our identity, for all of our connection. And we miss out on our need. We miss out on our need for God and our need for community. And then there's this third group, and they have this other privilege that we often don't think of a privilege, at least not people like me, right? Marriage, I mean, that's just a right. There are multiple couples in this physical setting. I'm not totally sure who's online right now and who's not, but when I came up to them, I'm like, oh my gosh, how are you guys doing? Are you guys married like first time? Like, oh, how long have you been married? That actually can be a really awkward question, particularly if you married someone of the same sex, because marriage is a privilege that has not always been extended to same-sex couples. And so the answer is a little different. The answer goes something like this. Well, I guess, I mean, you know, since 2015, but I mean, really, probably nine years before that or something to that effect. And people like me realize all of a sudden, man, I'm the one with the privilege. It just came naturally to me, like so many other things. And Jesus says, for those socially more the norm, more the majority, this is called privilege. And it can actually be very isolating because you think you have enough and you don't realize how much you actually need God and community. It is hard sometimes to recognize our need, isn't it? You know, during the pandemic, one of the ways we often started our services especially just realizing, you know, that there is so little transition time, right? I mean, like many of us even found in terms of going to work, when going to work is just on your computer, you don't have that transition time in the car or on the bus or on the train to sort of get into the right headspace. And so one of the ways that we started trying to create just a, a moment of transition time is at the beginning of the service saying, hey, let's take a moment to breathe. Let's put a hand on your heart. Let's breathe. Let's, let's kind of go inward and see what's happening inside our own hearts as we come into this space this morning. Then a digital space, now for some of us digital, for some of us here in person. And so often we, we don't get that time, do we? And that even if we do, we may be so out of practice that you may sit there thinking, Come on, heart. <laughs> What's going on in there? 
we're actually out of touch with our need. We're out of touch with our, our hunger. In one of Jesus' most famous teachings, he shared a list of blessings. And they were all very counterintuitive, like, how is that a blessing? But a few of them feel so relevant this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If we don't know we're hungry, we're never going to come to the table. In fact, there's the, the end of this story. Let's just cut to the ending really quickly, because for some of you, it may have kind of jumped out at you. It's just like, oh, is this Jesus? This sounds a little, a little harsh, maybe, because the ending, it says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. When you hear that, you go, oh, host is a little mad, right? He's saying, yeah, you're off my guest list. I'm not sure that's necessarily what it was. Sometimes it's not punishment. We're so used to punishment, thinking in terms of stuff that people will do to us when they get angry. But couldn't it just be realism? They've shown. They're not aware of their hunger. They're not aware that this is a good thing. They're not going to get a taste. They're not showing up. But then there's this other group of people. The ones where the host sends out his servant and says, go get them. Go out quickly into the streets and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant says, okay, I, I tried. There's still room. He says, no, go out even farther and compel them to come in. So my house will be full. That word compel is so interesting. And I want to try translating it this morning. What does a translation? We try the word encourage. We try the word help. Because while there are some people who are just, I mean, they're not even aware of their need. That privilege is so blinding. So much going on that, I mean, I don't even know that I'm hungry. I think there are others among us that we have trained ourselves not to be hungry because we don't expect to get fed. And what is the point of acknowledging your hunger if there is no bread? What is the point of acknowledging the longings in your soul if you don't believe God is listening? There's a special word of encouragement there's a special need for, for help in those situations, right? It's not enough to go to the blind and the crippled and say, hey, that house, four miles up the road, there's a party there, you're welcome. You got to give a ride, right? You actually have to help them get there. That person who is poor in spirit and so used to ignoring their hunger we actually have to say, no, really, you, I see you, the host sees you, you are welcome. And I know for some of us sitting here this morning, that has been your experience. You've been hungry for so long. 
can you really risk? Can you really trust that when you show up at the doors, they won't get slammed in your face? You're going to be given an honored seat at the table. Uh, so we're going to actually hear from a friend of ours, Karen, if you want to come on board. Do you welcome Karen Taylor up to join us here? Uh, you know, we'd love to hear stories around City Church. Just about what, what is this like for you? How do you, how do you, how have you experienced this? So, um, so I'm going to ask Karen a few questions and she's going to, we're, we're going to have sort of a conversation sharing one mic. It's going to be lovely, I'm sure. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. Um, so Karen, how long have you been around City Church? Um, I would say about a month, maybe a month and a half. Um, and I was at, so should I tell the story or like? Sure, tell the story. <laughs> well, we'll tell it. Like, so, so she's been here a long time, right? So she really is kind of deep in. Um, tell us, like, we're getting basically two questions and we can go back and forth a little bit, but where have you not experienced welcome and where have you experienced welcome? Um, so I, uh, my husband and I and my three kids have attended a church um, in Torrance where we live for um, about maybe eight years and, um, you know, watched our kids grow up there and everything. And um, now recently, like two years ago, um, I was surprised by a new policy that came down from the uh, head pastor and leadership that would exclude um, basically any LGBTQ Christians who chose to go the affirming route and, you know, choose to live their lives the way they wanted to um, in their own way of faithfulness to God. Um, basically, our church was turned very far to the right all of a sudden. Um, and uh, for me, that was really uh, devastating just because I've never believed that that was right. So... So because you believe differently, you felt unwelcome. Is that how that was? Or is there a particular story around that unwelcome, uh, like the table conversation or anything yeah. like that? Well, I think for me, um, what feels welcoming in a church community is when people are allowed to have a voice and an opinion and to, to have difference among the church body and, uh, you know, diversity. So for me, um, like there was a 40 page document produced single spaced word process. I mean, I'm still like it. And um, it, it started, we, the people of so-and-so church believe the following. And this was all in a complete document wrapping up what was believed about LGBTQ Christians and what they can and can't do. And um, I couldn't see myself in the we. So it was like that word became so um, complex and, you know, hurtful and traumatic for me because I was like, wow, this is not who I am and I'm never going to be like that. You know, I never want to have that represent who I believe Jesus is. Reminds me of the, uh, there's another document that starts off, it says, we the people. Yeah. <laughs> um, really inclusive document, if you've seen it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just so interesting. Anyway, um, so tell us a little uh, about uh, some place where you have experienced welcome, what that's like, maybe a story about that. Well, as it happens with the Juneteenth, you know, recently um, I've been following very interested, you know, in, in the fact that it's now a national holiday and I've read different um, 
uh, black columnists about you know what all the different opinions about is this good um, for the black community from people in the black community, et cetera. And anyways, um, you know, again, that's a complex thing. So I decided to take my kids to, uh, we live in Torrance, which is like, um, you know, 2% African-American. And so I took them to this uh, event in Hyde Park uh, slash uh, Park Mesa Heights. I don't know if anyone knows that neighborhood. I don't know the neighborhood but I just wanted to go to the event. And um, I later I looked it up and it was 63% black and 0.8% Asian. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I wanted to see, I, I wanted to have my kids experience what a Juneteenth celebration would be from people who have had a history um, celebrating it for all these years without having it be this national holiday and a new thing, you know, that's probably going to now have Hallmark cards, you know, written about it. And, uh, you know, so um, our welcome was very warm. We were, I was probably the only Asian in a, a huge parking lot of like maybe 300 or at least. And, um, you know, I've always felt welcome in the Black community and um, I wanted my kids to, you know, experience that love. So so great right the big banquet you were freely welcome these kids were welcome chance of celebration love it thank you so much hey would you thank karen for sharing a little bit of her story here today wow thank you so much karen this is the question for all of us today there's a sense of okay where where have you not felt welcomed where you know are you you one of those people needing extra special encouragement. And how can we embody those moments of welcome that you have experienced? Those places where you have felt like, yeah, they created room at the table and I get to do this for others. And yet it all starts with acknowledging our hunger and our need. It all starts with acknowledging that there is this host throwing the doors wide open. And so I'd love to invite you to take one of those hand on your heart moments right now as we end, just to take a couple deep breaths and check in with yourself. Where is their need? Where is their hunger? Breathe in. No. In. A closing word from our friend Rachel Held Evans. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they're rich or worthy or good, but because they're hungry, because they said yes. And there's always room for more. <laughs>